A very warm welcome to This World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome to this World Game Changes podcast episode and this particular episode is around angels with dirty faces and more specifically the tour de football and to help me and Gary on our way we've got a gentleman who is the director of football at Carlton Town been involved with the uh, the football club many many years Daryl Claypole. Daryl very warm welcome to you. Hello Paul hello Gary how are you both? All right, Daryl. All right, mate. Not bad, thanks. For you? Yes, very good. Very good. Um, guys, I'm I'm going to ask you, fellas. Um, uh, uh, what what exactly does football mean to you? What does it mean to you, Gary? What does it mean to you, Paul? I know um, we've probably got uh, different different outlooks on this. Uh, what it's meant to us in our younger days and what it means to us now, um, particularly that we're we're not involved in in the Premier League or the EFL, we're, we're involved at, at grassroots football, non-league football. So let me let me start with you, Gary. What, what does football itself mean to you? I'd say football's been my whole life, to be honest with you, Daryl. Um, from as long back as I can remember, uh, starting primary school, walking into the football team, I used to play in the ball, old Barcelona kit, putting that shirt on. It's been my whole life, mate. Um, and uh, it still is my whole life, uh, getting involved with grassroots last couple of years. Gave me a, a new, lease, new lease of life, really. You know, I've followed Forest all my life, England, all over the world. And then getting involved with grassroots, it gave me another, I don't know, another kick, another buzz. Um, and now following my lad playing football, you know, and he's doing quite well. Uh, I love watching my lad on Sunday mornings, Saturday mornings, and... Uh, and he's a very good player, and getting involved in grassroots level as well. It's going to be another, another buzz, you know, second win really. So, you know, you 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 go and watch uh, your lad Charlie play. So he plays. Is it the young Elizabethan he plays in, or the not youth league? Yeah, he, he saw. Yeah, he, he played the young Elizabethan league since he was four. Yeah, at Dunkirk, started out at Dunkirk until um, he was six, and he moved over to Gedling South Bank. They just left them. This summer, he's, he's now playing in the Derbyshire Derbyshire League, a very oh, high level, yeah. Yeah. first division. He's playing top level in Derbyshire League now. Uh, probably one of the best teams in Derbyshire. Well, t- tell me then, we talk about grassroots football, non-league football being for the community. Um, <laughs> but what is it then about um, grassroots football? You, you go and see Charlie, who plays a good standard. Um, is that about community or is that about you've got to win? We've got to win. Where where do the parents, where do the coaches uh, fit into that? What's, what's, what are the playing surfaces like? What, what's, what are the standards like? What's the behaviour like? How does it relate to, say, where we were 
30, 40, 20 years ago. What is it actually like at grassroots football? You go as a parent. What's your, is it that you've got to win? Is it that it's taking part? Is it about community? What is it about then with, with grassroots football? Well, I wouldn't say um, it's about taking part, really, and it's enjoying it at that age. I still think it's about enjoying it. You know, I don't want to get into an academy too early. A lot of kids go into academies and they're not playing with the mates and they get into that regime where they're dieting, they can't play Sundays with the mates. I still, I still believe it's about enjoying it at that age, at that level, really. You know, we all started off at grassroots, that level. Uh, he, he wants now, nah, he had to step up. He's left Gedling South Bank this summer and he's stepped up another level now. He's playing top, probably top, at the top of his game at that, that age now. And, uh, you know, they want to win now, don't they? He's 12 going on 13 this Christmas. Um, but I still believe it's still about enjoying the game. And the parents, I think some parents are too too over the top with the kids. You know, I see them on the touch line, they're shouting, screaming. You know, the, the referees are the manager. I don't believe in that, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's a bit out of order. Especially getting, you get a lot of young referees now at the same age as well. They're, they're learning the game. Um, I, can, I believe it, they can frighten young kids off at wanting to get into refereeing. Some of these parents, I don't agree with that sort of stuff. I take it a bit too serious. I still believe it's about enjoying it. At the moment, you know what I mean. Playing with the mates—that's yeah. my, my belief, anyway. Going back many years, um, when I first met with Tom Brookbanks, we we had a, um, a an extremely um, good youth policy at, at Hucknall Rolls Royce, and um, your chairman Mick Garton and Tom came and 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 headhunted us to go across to Carlton to, to, to start the youth policy at Carlton that proved to be a, a, a very a very positive influence both on the community both on the people within the club and we bought um, Ian Spencer uh, in from Gedling, Kev, Kev Randall who, who joined so we, we, we had a we had a distinct policy at Carlton that we would provide a game of football um, for for kids, irrespective of uh, abilities, etc. But that almost grew and it almost evolved into a, a centre of excellence where kids were coming to Carlton because of the, the success that we'd had. And Tommy Brookbank certainly built his central Midland side around all the players that came through that policy. But I think that was about... It was about discipline. It was about standard. It was about organisation. It was about all of those things. It was a, um, it, I think it was a positive influence on, on both both parents and kids. And it was interesting that Ian Spencer was uh, only spoke to me earlier today and made a phone call that we'd seen one of our ex players who's now a deputy headmaster. Would you believe uh, young Corey Nightingale? And he spoke. Um, uh, he spoke to his uh, Corey's mother, and she had said that it was a, a wonderful experience for her and their families because we toured. Um, uh, the the kids felt safe. They came through. There was a uh, there was a progression. There was a pathway from joining as as a young kid and progressing all the way through to the first team. And I think that's a positive side 
to grassroots football coming into non-league football. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's very important. Like, uh, Carlton's a, a great club and like you say, it's very important that you, you start them off young at clubs like Carlton. It's great for the development. It's great for the... If the, it, it, it gives you a lot of pleasure if, if they start at Carlton at four, five, six and, they, and progress to the team, semi-professional. You know, I do agree with that, Daryl. It's great, it's great for the clubs, you know, at that level. Do, do you think... Um, Paul, I'm going to bring you in here. Do you think, Paul, we have enough um, good clubs? Do we have enough good coaches? Do we have um, enough disciplines? Are the standards right? Um, what's, what sort of message uh, should we as, as people who, who are involved in, in either administration or management or, or, or ad, administration at football clubs, what what should be we be encouraging young 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 kids to do, and what should we be encouraging football clubs to do at grassroots level? I'm a, has been flagged up, Daryl, on a previous episode. I'm a massive massive lover in in life, and particularly in football. Of you know the uh, the the, the star the philosophy that Pelly was brought up with all those years ago, and for me, there's the ball let the children play rather than these regimented ways. So I think, you know, the earlier you can let kids express themselves through whatever medium, whether it's painting, you know, sport, uh, whatever aspect it is, and, you know, the sport, the football, just give them the ball and let them play. Because I think now more than ever in society, there's that many expectations, you know, social media's come into play. There's that much peer pressure that, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've, you know, you subscribe to the system, blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, sport generally and football particularly, which is a game, I, you know, I, I like to think I'm qualified to talk about, from um, you know having worked in the prestigious Nottingham Forest Academy under, in my humble opinion, one of the great masters was which was Paul Hart, um, you know, and learning about the philosophy of life because I think that's important, you know, rather than kids just turning up on a Saturday for an hour, a couple of hours, to bring the parents in and say, by the way, guys, I don't just want to be sort of checking you and telling you off for shouting at a young ref. Be part of this. And Cluffy had a great saying, we're in this together from the chairman to the tea lady. And I massively believe in that philosophy in life. We're in this together. Now, my finger's off the pulse a little bit, Daryl, in terms of, you know, the infrastructure of youth football, you know. Um, but I would like to think that, that that unity can prevail. And then we can talk about things together around discipline, around respect, so they're not just fancy buzzwords that you see on paper. Uh, do, do you think um, the charity that, that, that you guys were involved in World Game Changers um, can do something positive then? Can, can we do something positive to um, either in, in, encourage that as a return to those standards of maybe some, some, some years ago? Um, because I tell you what I see myself. I, I see when I when I go um, on the parks on, on Saturday mornings, on Sunday mornings, and and have a look. If I'm walking the dog, or or uh, you know, there's, there's there's a game that takes my fancy. I do see um, 
and, and I have to say it, I, 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 I sense that there is such a competitiveness. I mean, a real competitiveness. Um, and I don't mean from the players. It's from the touchline that you alluded to earlier, Gary. Um, it's almost the parents are, are reliving the youth through their kids. And it is that desire for almost a meal ticket that if my kid can get into an academy, there's a potential that he could get to a level of football. And, you know, we can, we can, um, uh, we can bathe in, in, in that, that glory that the, the child can bring us. I, 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 I do see that. I, I feel it. And, and maybe sometimes I read about it. And it, it, it is a concern um, because the percentages of, of kids making it at professional footballs are, are, are so low. But there is a route for them to enjoy football, both at a, a junior level, uh, at a grassroots level, and through non-league football. You both uh, look at non-league football and you see some players who earn very decent money, part-time money it may be, but decent money, uh, for playing at a very, very good standard. So, and then they can enjoy a, a career outside of football as well. Um, I, I, do you think that world game changes can, can have some impact on making football at grassroots level better, more enjoyable, more acceptable? Can it do something? Gary, it, it, w w what are your thoughts on that? Or am I talking yeah, about it's very important that charities like World Game Changers put money into grassroots football. You need money in grassroots football for the development of the kids. You know, and it's every parent's dream. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to lie. I want, me, I want my boy. It's his dream to play professional football. And uh, I agree, parents do want the kids to do well. And, you know, it's everybody's dream, isn't it? It's a parent's dream. It's a kid's dream. You know, they want to play football. They want to play at the highest level. But like you said, Daryl, uh, you can make a good living out of grassroots football as well and, and work as well. You know, they play part-time football. They earn good, decent money now. There's a lot of money going into into like uh, Carlton Town, Ilkeston Town. Well, not, well, there's bigger budgets. You know, Ilkeston yeah. Town's got a massive budget. They're paying players silly money. I've heard a lot, of, lot over the last year or so, some of the Grantham Town, they're pumping a lot of money. Into, yeah. into this sort of type of football, and some of these some of these players are on earning a thousand pound a week, and then they've got a good job as well on the side, that probably earning another thousand pound a week. And it's a good living, isn't it? It's a absolutely. Good yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so guys, um, you 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 both been in foot involved in football for for a long, long time. Earliest recollections, then, from both of you, Paul. Your earliest recollection, and 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 anything that's that's potentially. Um, you, you've stayed with you for, for up until now. Something that you may have seen, heard, um, somebody you've spoken to. A, a, a recollection from your earliest earliest days, if you can can help us out. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, just just picking up before I move on to that excellent question, Daryl. You know what Gary coined the phrase there: play at the highest level. And for me, this kind of addresses your previous question. OK, so you can talk about the game, you know, the beautiful game, brackets of football. For me, there's an even bigger game and it's called the game of life. So what? there's a lot of common skills and attributes that we can take forward. 
you know, and I've learned this over the years. When I look at back at my own journey, you know, from my upbringing, I was very dark. I was very cynical. I didn't want to achieve goals. But you know what? I wanted to stop you achieving your goals. And that reflected my mindset where I was at because of my dark upbringing and the influence, that defensiveness, that anger, you know, that hatred that I carried as a child because of my uh, my upbringing. And I carried that onto a football pitch where win at all costs was my mantra. Win at all costs. I can remember, and I've mentioned um, in a previous, I actually headbutted my own captain once because he lost the toss. He lost the toss. And I headbutted him for losing the toss. That reflected the mindset. That was very single-minded. When you look at the game of football and the game of life, you know, to quote a well-known cliche, there is no I in team. And this is, I think, where we've landed now. For me, mine's not necessarily about the beautiful game of football. It's about the beautiful game of life that was in that we're playing on, on you know, and playing on some of the biggest stages. So I've actually gone down, you know, playing at the highest level. I've actually forgot the question you asked, Daryl. <laughs> Just give me a nudge again. Your, your early, earliest thoughts, the earliest recollections, um, something that you can remember from, from the early, early part of your life getting involved with, foot, with football. You know, you were at the Forest Academy, maybe something from, from that period. Yeah, I can give you that. Um, definitely, there's something that's massive on that. I want to go back till the 21st and the 23rd of March, 1974. Mm. That's my earliest recollection. Well, actually, no, it's not my earliest recollection, but arguably my most poignant. Uh, the McKenzie final, as they called it, when Forrest beat Manchester City. 4-1 in the previous um, round. And then they drew Newcastle United in the quarterfinals, uh, that yes, infamous yeah. uh, quarterfinal. Final, yeah. in, the second replay at Goodison Park was on the Thursday, the 21st of March. Malcolm McDonald scored. Yeah. And, and uh, obviously Newcastle went on to meet Liverpool in the final. Liverpool won. Uh, t uh, Keegan and Toshak scored, I believe, in a 3-0 victory. Um, so Forrest got beat. Two days later, they played away at Craven Cottage on Saturday the 23rd of March. The black and white curse struck again. They lost 2-0 to Fulham. That absolutely devastated my world. That was my first suicide attempt on the back of that, on the back of two football results. So what that speaks to me, Daryl, is the power of football, the power of mm. beliefs in the game of life. And for me, as a young kid looking for a reason to live, an identity to who I was, that was how powerful football was in my life. So that's my first one, 1974. Going back to the Paul Hart scenario, um, you know, Gary, that's where you and I met uh, two or three years ago when Paul Hart was the guest. My absolute pleasure to do a, a Q&A with Paul. And I reminded Harty of something that was uh, said when I was first introduced to the gaffer, and it was this. So, you know, I had five boys under my wing, 16, 17, 18 year olds on the uh, three year apprenticeship, three from Ireland and two from Nottinghamshire. And, you know, every kind of, you know, at the end of the year it was release time. And I said to him, Gaffer, I said, I find this really tough. You know, these young men going out there and they're not going to make it. They're devastated. They're heartbroken. And I'll never forget Hearty's words. And he said, yeah, but remember, we send them out the door, far better young men than when they came through the door. And that stuck with me, Daryl, because I think that's a great metaphor for, for the game of life. And certainly I had the immense pleasure to serve alongside um, 
who, who I, I actually called him my boss, Jim King is past now, an absolute giant in, in the game of, you know, youth development and developing people in life. So they would be two poignant examples, very different examples, but two very powerful examples for me of what stuck with me. Um, Paul, I, 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 I've got, I'm going to bring you back to, to, to you talked about the Newcastle and the, um, the, the, the Fulham games, because um, you, you, whether you've covered this or not, I'm, I'm going to still pick you up on this. Um, you say this was your first attempt at, at taking your, your, your own life. Mm. Can can you expand on that a little bit, please? When you create a belief system around something, and it can be whatever, and football's a very, very, very powerful medium. I mean, you look particularly at the Geordies, the Newcastle, so they are fanatics. In my opinion, they're arguably, I mean, I think Forrest have got a phenomenal, loyal, loyal band of supporters. But you look at those Geordies and they, they I don't know, that fanaticism they've got for their their city, their their football club particularly, um, you know, that I use that to to kind of reinforce to magnify the power of beliefs, having something to believe in, you know. And football is powerful. I mean, it was was it Bill Shankly? We've mentioned this before, um, Daryl, with that iconic, some would say, tongue in cheek quote: "Football's not about life or death." It's far more important. important yeah. And I've had that conversation with countless people over the years around, you know, and even professionals within the game and people from Liverpool within the game, from Liverpool Football Club, because I, I got, kind of got involved post-Hillsborough. I was at Hillsborough that day. And then I got invited up every year to be part of the annual memorial service at Anfield. So I got to speak to people around you know, did, did Shankly really mean that? Or was it kind of a, you know, a quirky uh, Scottish quip? Nobody's ever really been able to define what that is. But that is the power of football, Daryl. And for me, I had that belief because of the turbulence in my world at the hands of my stepdad. You know, my world was dark and desperate. I needed something to believe in. I didn't realise that at the time. I was a kid. I didn't have the mental awareness. I didn't have the emotional maturity to understand what was going off. I was on the street. I was surviving. It was brutal stuff. But football gave me that belief, that power. And when Forrest lost those two games, it's like I can remember being physically sick. I can remember using language and words like betrayal and, and things like that. I literally felt like my heart had been ripped out because my beloved Nottingham Forest had let me down. They'd lost. Mm. They dared to lose two games. I was beyond devastation. And the thing that I believed in to keep me alive, that and my mother, um, one of them had been taken away from me. And that was that was more than I could cope with. Very, very interesting. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, do, do, you, do you think then, well, do you think that there are there are more people out there like yourself whose whose support system um, may be somewhat lacking? Do you feel that there are people who are involved in in football or, or similar who who are under undergoing the same issues and problems that you felt at that stage in your life? 
I'd expand that, uh, Daryl, from the word football, and I'll put it back into that pitch again of the game of life. I think that, you know, societal expectations that we're faced with now, peer pressure, particular social media, in my humble mm. opinion, has yes, got a yes, lot to yeah. answer for. A lot mm. to answer for. You know, we had it a few years ago with uh, girls expected to be, um, you know, size zero, have these hourglass figures. And, you know, if you're carrying a couple of pounds of the way you was, you know, castigated and, you you know, you was almost like a social leper. That mm. You know, so I think yet again, Daryl, for me, you know, the beautiful game now extends beyond football and actually goes into the beautiful game of life. I think football is just one medium of expression, like I said at the top of this this conversation, that allows us to express ourselves. But that's why, from my own point of view, a lot of the work and you know that I'm doing now is stretching, hopefully stretching that mindset and saying, do you know what, the game of football is still a beautiful game, depending how you play it. But do you know what, if you're not going to make it in the pro game, why don't you play on the pitch in the game of life? And that's where grassroots football, you know, it offers a fantastic opportunity to, you know, to still have that camaraderie with your mates, that community spirit that, you know, is there by the bucket load full in, in Cork Town. I don't go to Cork Town for the football. I go to Cork Town because I love the people. I love the sense of community spirit, you know, have a laugh and a joke with people like Gary, yourself, Daryl, Mick Garton, the chairman, that, you know, Tommy Brook, the list goes on. That's why I go to Carlton Town, because it's a fantastic community spirited club. And as human beings, you know, there's two things that we all need. We all want to be loved and we all need to know that we matter. And you go to a yeah. club like Carlton, you know, and the Carlton towns around the country, you know, Carlton oh, yes, hasn't yeah, got yeah. that uniquely all to itself. For me, it has. And I dare say for Gary, it has. Although I think Gary used a bit more of a... Uh, did you use the term? Did you use the term Gary football tart? Because your loyalties are a bit more diverse than uh, than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said in a previous uh, interview a couple of nights ago, uh, I've got a lot of. I'm affiliated with a lot of clubs for various reasons, and I, I just love football. You know, I like. I always get my football fixed. If I can't make a Carlton game or a Forest game, like this weekend, uh, we, before the Carlton game might be off at Dunstan. Straight away, it was it was a 8.30 pitch inspection in the morning, so we knew it was in jeopardy. Uh, I looked at the fixtures, Mansfield, Arrogate and Plymouth Argyle, two of my clubs. I was at Burton Albion and I was going to take my boy to another game to get my football fixed. I said to me, my boy, where do you want to go? He said, oh, let's come watch Plymouth. Now. We haven't seen Plymouth for a while, not since last year, because we've got affiliations with Plymouth, with family and stuff and friends. So that's the reason I've got one or two clubs, you know what I mean? I just love my football. So I've attached myself to a few clubs. So I'll get my football fixed one one place or another, you know what I mean? For, Forrest <coughs> is, is, your, is your first love though, Gary, yeah? Well, uh, and Leeds United. I mean, a lot of people know this. It's quite common knowledge. Get a lot of stick off the Forest lads still to this day. Though. I was a bit of a Leeds fan at school. Cried my eyes out when they lost the European Cup final in 1975. Watched it with my granddad and my family. And uh, they lost two 0 to Bayern Munich. Yeah. Should have won. They got robbed that night. And I, I, I just cried my eyes out that night. Like you said, that's how football gets you. I was roaring. I went to bed crying, watching Leeds lose that European Cup final. But yeah, Forest were possibly my well, were my first love, and I, I, I had a bit of a 
a lovely United at the time at school, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of kids are like that at school, you know, these days it's it's Manchester City, in it? Arsenal, Manchester United, the Forest were in the old second division at the time, struggling. And when you're that age, you know, you don't really know any better, do you? You know what I mean? But obviously, Forest are my, are my team. They've always been my team, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, I recall as a, a young kid... Um, Coming from 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 Leicester, <laughs> um, uh, my auntie who lived in in Ashby de la Zouche, um, taking me and uh, down with with my uncle um, to watch Leicester against Stoke, and um, Stoke City had got uh, the great Stanley Matthews playing, and uh, the ground was absolutely rammed. And I remember coming down the A15, and as a young kid, an impressionable young kid, all I can remember was seeing the red lights of the, the cars breaking up ahead and getting to Filbert Street, a ground I'd never been to, it didn't know much about it, and never been to a professional football game, but going there and seeing the floodlights and going up the steps and looking out and seeing this, I can only describe it as the most fantastic sight I'd ever seen in my life, which was a green football pitch. It was grass and I, 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 I can't explain um, enough about how how wonderful it was, and sitting with my um, my auntie and uncle, and and watching Stan Matthews, uh, who was would have been 46, 47 years old then, just come back to to st- play for Stoke, and the crowd to a man, which they mainly were then, not too many ladies at the football at that in those days, but standing up and applauding every every touch of the ball. And an interesting sideline to that was that Richie Norman, who was left back marking Stan Matthews that evening, um, is a physio at Nuneaton, Nuneaton Town in, in the Southern League. And shortly after that game, um, uh, uh, I'd signed us on schoolboy forms <laughs> for Leicester. And um, my, um, my dad took me and we met with uh, Matt Gillis, who was the manager of Leicester City at the time. And my dad said, um, uh, uh, wonderful uh, Stan Matthews playing, uh, ha- absolutely fantastic, w- w- how wonderful. And he said, yes, yes, we had to have a word with uh, with Richie Norman, though. And my dad said, why was that then, uh, uh, Mr Gillis? Well, um, he tackled Stan Matthews twice. And we told him very clearly, the crowd hadn't come to see him, but they'd come to see Stan Matthews. And we told him not to tackle him. Now, that was football in the 60s. I can't imagine... Brian Clough or Bill Shankly or Don Reavy or anybody saying to a, a, a Paul Reedy or a Stuart Pearce or, or whoever, don't tackle their, their right winger because the crowd haven't come to see you, they've come to see him. But I queried that little story with Richie Norman only last season. And I met with Richie at the Nuneaton game and I, I said to him, "Was this is this a true story? And he said, oh yeah. He said, Matt Gillis was absolutely livid and, and he, he echoed that. The crowd haven't come to see you, Richie. They've come to see Stan Matthews. So um, the manager of, a, of a, a first division football team telling his fullback off for tackling their, their right winger. But, uh, so that's, that's a recollection from, from me, one of the, the, my, my earliest memories. And- Darryl, Darryl, let me come in on that excellent yeah. uh, share there. And Gary, if I can ask you, so what we're talking about there is anecdotes, one-liners. You know, obviously Clough has been sort of 
fairly consistent throughout a thread from the first chapter to present. And I'm fascinated. I mean, Cluffy fascinated me. The psychology of the man was just immense. From your point of view first, Gary, and then you, Daryl, is there a one-liner or a particular thing that stuck in your mind about Cluffy? You know, because for me, he was a master, master man-managing psychologist. And his one-liners, you know, particularly when he did those ins uh, those uh, inspirational shares with Parkinson, is anything that sticks in your mind, Gary, about Cluffy's one-liners? Yeah, um, I love this saying that... Um... Football, if football was meant to be played, played in the clouds, you know, because I, I, I like I like maverick footballers. I like skillful players. I like I like, you know, a bit like Nat Watson. I like watching players like him, you know. And Carlton Town play football on the floor. I love that. I love that quote from Cluffy. You know, you get the Wimbledon's of this world. You you watch them teams that, you know, the bully teams and they've made their way up from the lower divisions by physical football and long ball. I can't stand long ball football. I hate it. You know what I mean? I, I like proper football teams. You know, I like the Fillier players, the Paul Gascoins, the Glenn Oddles, you know, the John Robertsons. You know, that, that's like the way football should be played on the floor. You know what I mean? Not in the not in the air. So yeah, yeah. yeah Cluffy's quote about that that, that 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 stands out for me. Cluffy's quote. The, um, um, I think the exact the, the, quote on that, sorry, Darrell, if I could just yeah, elaborate on that. I think the exact quote, Gary, you're talking about went something along the lines of if God had a want football to be played in the sky, he'd have put grass up there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Yeah, I love that one. That stands out for me. I absolutely love that saying. You know, and, I, I, and, I, and it's true, isn't it? You know, lads, you know, football's football. It should be played on the floor. You know what I mean? Carlton Town play that way as well. You know, Tommy, Tommy likes that type of football. That's why he's a great manager. You know what I mean? The, um... I, love watching Carlton, I love watching Carlton Town play football. They're a proper football team. You know, we, we've struggled a little bit this year. Uh, a bit more physical up in the northeast and that. You know, we've been bullied. We get bullied a little bit. But we, we, we still try to play football. Which is, which is uh, very true. And again, another advocate, I think Tom would say he was an advocate of that 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 football, that philosophy that Brian Clough brought, brought to the game. The, the interesting thing is doing the speakers' nights, as we've done um, both at, at Carlton and, 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 and previously, um, the interesting thing is any of the players that um, played with Brian Clough have all got wonderful stories. The, the interesting thing for me, though, is if you go to listen to any of them, they 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 claim to be centre 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 spread of all of these stories. That this story was about me. So whoever it is, whoever the I'm, I'm sure there are so many club stories that players have pinched and are going to use them in their after dinner repertoire because they're such wonderful stories. So um, so what? Why 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 spoil a good story with the truth? Absolutely. <laughs> may, may, may as well continue it. But I've. I, the, the, my my favourite um, Brian Clough story was I think before the European Cup, and and I forget who it w was, and I think it was an Ar Archie Gamble, um, but um, uh, Archie didn't don't think drank, and and that it got them drinking, and, and he almost forced Archie Gamble to have a drink before he let him go to bed, um, prior to, to one of the European Cup games, and I think he blamed him for something afterwards, but um, th th there are a number of stories like that. I mean, and and the um, the ones where he's, he's, he's um, uh, basically, I, 
I think Stuart Pearce told a fabulous story the other day on, on, on radio about when they played at Millwall and um, um, Millwall with a side that everybody was frightened of. So Brian Clough got the team coach down about half, half, half a mile or so away from the den, got all the players off the coach. He said, right, lads, come on, we're walking. Took him off the coach and, and walked the players to the den. Yeah, Mick, Mick, Mick Gorton told me that story the other day. Yeah. It was on Talk Sport, wasn't it? I've never yeah. heard that story. Yeah, but, yeah, I've, um, I've not heard that yeah. one. But, but yeah, yeah, fabulous story. But so, yeah. story. famous I, I one-liner then, Daryl. Famous one-liner. What would that be? What a Brian Clough one. Well, Clough or General. Oh, well, I, t- yeah. I tell, I tell you, I tell you that the, the, the one that I, uh, I, I love them. When I do reunions with old Swindon Town players, which was my first club, we had a a, 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 a Yorkshire manager, Danny Williams, that they say was the best uncapped right half never to play for England. He played for Rotherham United. Danny was a a, a proper bruff Yorkshireman. He'd got he'd got everything, uh, you know, it, it, uh, in terms of all the Yorkshire sayings. So he spoke in a broad Yorkshire accent. So I want you to imagine this is a team talk before a game. So he says to the fullbacks, it the long uns and away that goes. <laughs> now, so that's, I don't know which, which FIFA coaching manual that one's from, but it the long uns and away that goes. <laughs> Another one from Danny Williams was we had a an Australian international, a lad called Roger Hendrick, who was a Derby lad. And he went to play out uh, for... Um, Croatia in Australia, in the Australian League before it became, you know, the A-League or whatever. And he played out there. He came back. But Roger um, was an intelligent lad and he used to read the Financial Times, which, of course, is a pink newspaper. So Roger had left his Financial Times in uh, the players' room. Uh, Danny came in, picked his Financial Times up and read it for about 10 minutes. And we all sat around the players. And he says, does they know the bloody pinkin gets worse? There's not about bloody football in it this week. So we had a local football paper, which was the pinkin, like, you know, the green or that. whatever. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd picked it up. He'd read it 10 minutes. And he thought, so Dan, Danny was a, Danny was a catch. But there were lots and lots, you know, lots of characters in and around the football in, in, in the, uh, in the sixties and, and the seventies. And of course it's, it, it didn't have the benefit in those days of um, of all the sports science that we're blessed with now because you guys see it the same way that I do at non-league level. Uh, we've got a plethora of, of people on 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 the, the bench that the the old um, the, the old dugouts used to have a the old-fashioned trainer, a, a couple of subs, and, and maybe a, a, an assistant. Now you. you you need you need a a, a, a twenty man seating arrangement to get all the staff in, and there's 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 a physio, an assistant physio, physio's friend, um, there's there's all manner of people. So, sports science, I think, is playing a, a, a huge part in 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 the development of football um, uh, uh, today. Which I think Sven Goran Eriksson brought that. Was probably one of the first two. Um, Arsene Wenger as well, wasn't it? it was Wenger, one of Arsene Wenger, yeah, he, he changed. Wenger. He changed the face changed of the, yeah, Premier League football yeah. um, for for us all. Which, um, gentlemen, brings 
brings us very nicely <laughs> onto Premier League football. Um, we have um, next May um, uh, uh, a, a challenge, a cycling challenge, um, and it's called the Tour de Football. Uh, the Tour de Football is where um, world game changers are inviting um, charities, 10, 12, 15 different charities um, to come along and take part in the Tour de Football. And um, it is basically what it says on the can. It is a tour, uh, a cycling tour, and it visits every Premier League ground from Newcastle via Leeds United, Manchester City, Manchester United, Everton and Liverpool, Forest, Leicester, Villa, Wolves, Bournemouth, Southampton, Brighton, Palace, West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, Fulham, Brentford, um, culminating in 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 um, Wembley Stadium, uh, and it's designed to bring together um, all of the communities because we're involving the football in the communities at all of those Premier League grounds, uh, clubs, and we're involving uh, the um, the foundations um, in order to to raise awareness and to allow charities to get their message across and the charity that I'm involved in personally, which is the Brain Tumor Research, um, have very kindly been offered the opportunity for two seats per leg um, on, on this, this challenge. And, and at Brain Tumor Research, we're getting heavily involved in, in, in trying to make it a huge, huge success. It is um, a challenge that, that involves the potential for raising over half a million pounds plus um, for numerous charities and for, for World Game Changers itself to enable us to affect some change, to raise awareness for local charities, to bring together um, uh, charities uh, involving the police, the military, um, uh, 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 animal charities, um, community charities, um, brain tumor research and and others so it's a wonderful wonderful opportunity the idea is that we set off sometime early may because the football season because of the world cup is still going to be played and we're going to visit um uh, uh over over a two-week period and over 750 miles 737 miles ish there or thereabouts um to visit to spend some time with the football clubs to to try and engage with with the communities um, to raise awareness. Um, we think it's a fabulous opportunity, and we hope that people are going to get 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 behind it. Um, but Paul, I'm going to ask you um, because you have already covered a couple of these in the past, a couple of cycling challenges. Um, tell me why why Tour de Football. Great question, Daryl. I just want to come back, just hold that thought for one moment. I just want to come back to answer my own question around Cluffy's one line, as if I may. Sorry, I do apologise. No, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And my two favourite ones uh, was when it was put to Cluffy, you know, it was about patience and building a side. And he said, well, um, I forget who it was. Um, he said, well, Brian, Rome wasn't built in a day. 
And Cluffy's response was, no, because I wasn't on that job. <laughs> so that's the first one. And then the other one was when players used to come in and knock on the gaffer's door Monday morning or they wanted a pay rise. And his famous words were, we used to talk about it for two minutes and I'd decide I was right. Yes, that's yeah, 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 yeah. that's it, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. tried that one, I tried that one line with my mother and my uh, ex-wife. It got me absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so tour de football. Um, yeah, I did it, uh, as you say, in 2000, 2001. Did it for then what was Sergeant Cancer Care for Children. Because when I was in the academy at Nottingham Forest, you, Nottingham Forest at the time used to do quite a lot of work for what was then called Ward E38 at the uh, Queen's mm. Medical Centre in Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that was they did benefit from that. So I was involved with Sergeant Cancer Care for Children, which uh, I think it's actually called Click Sergeant now. Um, Click Sergeant, yeah. Yeah. And when I was in the academy at Forest, I had this kind of, well, it was a bit of a giggle, really. I said to one or two lads and lasses, let's do a bike ride around these football clubs to raise money for kids with cancer. And, and I was only joking. I was three parts um, doodad in the uh, TBI one match day. And, and, and one of the lads said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, I was only joking. He said, I'm not. Let's do it. And the rest is history. So we did it in 2000. And you're going back to that Yorkshire accent. I thought it was actually a Glaswegian accent, Daryl. But anyway, <laughs> um, I tell you what, their mills in Yorkshire take some, uh, some manoeuvring yeah. with a bike. Um, yeah. But it was a modest thing. It was a giggle. And if I'm honest about it, I didn't really know what I was doing. But I think it raised something like five grand at the time. Yeah. Um, and then we did it the following year. But actually, it's like, do you know what? This is hard work. This is hard work to raise five grand, you know. And, and so there wasn't a, a carry on from that. But it's never kind of left me, Daryl. It's always been with me. And it was about five years ago. And I just... I had this thing in my head that one day when Forrest get back to the Premier League, that's when we'll do the Tour de Football. Mm. And I have the immense privilege to be at Wembley on the 29th of May uh, this year, 2022, when Forrest, you know, beat Huddersfield 1-0 to reach the Premier League. And in that eureka moment, and ironically, I was stood right outside of Mick Galton, the Carlton Town chairman. And, you know, amongst all the elation, the tears of joy that was flying around, certainly from the forest uh, contingent, was right. The time has come. Right. At, so that's where the, you know, new new breath was breathed into that concept, Daryl, to answer your question, that had been flying around in my head, more importantly, in my heart, for a good few years, knowing that the time would be right or just would seem right when forest got promoted. So if you're looking for a date to pin it on, 29th of May, 2022. I um, for for brain tumor research, I um, during July I did the John O'Groats to Lands End virtually. So I did it from the um, Nuffield Gym in um, in Chesterfield, and um, it was a huge support network uh, that we got, and, and and we raised a substantial amount of money um, on the back of that for for brain tumor research, which. Um, I, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the support that we've got. And um, on that, I'd got um, Phil Jennings from, from Carlton joined me, uh, Martin Ball. Martin Ball and I did the biggest and longest of the, um, of, of, of the trips because um, the story there is that on the Saturday, um, 
you guys know better than me, uh, the lovely, wonderful people at, at, at Merthyr Town. And um, uh, I, uh, I, I went um, to Merthyr because they did a, a, a sponsored walk for the charity uh, that was from the Anira um, uh, Bevin uh, Memorial um, uh, in, in just outside of Merthyr. And we walked and my, my wife, Sylvia, came and we, we, we had a, an absolutely wonderful day with those lovely, lovely people. And and they they raised a substantial amount for for the charity. They they were absolutely fantastic, and um, so because of that, I, I lost the day cycling. So um, uh, and I also lost the day when Tom, my son, who 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 um, who was diagnosed with the brain tumor and uh, got married. So we lost a couple of days. And Martin Ball, bless him, uh, and I, we 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 cycled for the whole day hour upon hour. So I know this is not going to be an easy challenge. So I, I understand. And when you've got some, uh, for example, um, Newcastle to Leeds, there's over 103 miles there. Uh, there's a big jump Bournemouth down to, to uh, Wolves to Bournemouth, 160 odd miles. So there's some big chunky miles that we're going to be asking people to, uh, to travel. So it's not going to be a given. It's not going to be an easy thing. Um, but what, what, would you say, Paul, is, is is the main objective of this? I think it's this sense of un unity that we spoke about earlier on. We're in this together. Yes, it is, you know, predominantly organised around the 20 Premier League clubs. However, let's not forget, we you know, we've spoke uh, earlier on today, Daryl, and it's obviously probably not appropriate and premature at this moment in time to single, you know, one or two names out of EFL, EFL clubs. But I think what isn't, a, uh, what is appropriate, sorry, what is definitely appropriate is to fly the flag for Merthyr Town, is to fly the flag for Carlton Town, because of this kind of half a million pound intended target, you know, these beautiful communities, grassroots clubs are going to benefit from that. You know, they might not be in the saddle going from, I don't know, um, you know, Newcastle to Leeds or from Forest to Leicester or whatever the leg is. But, you know, it's this recognition of amazing clubs, amazing communities, beautiful, selfless people. You know, the three of us was at Merthyr Town earlier on in the year. I will never forget that day. Never forget that day. It was, you know, it was humble. Yeah. It was. It was humble. It was grounding. It was an amazing day. And, you know, for me, that is what this 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 bike rides all about. It's not about the glitz and the glam of the 20 Premier League clubs. That's just the kind of the stepping stones. It's about this unity. Do you know what, guys? You know, yet again, we're all in this together from the chairman to the tea lady. Gary, have you got any thoughts? Because obviously your heart is, I know from the conversations we've had privately, you know, a part of that belongs to Merthyr Town. Certainly a part of it, a big part of it belongs to Carlton Town. You know, this sense of unity, togetherness that we've often spoke about, you know, massive respect to Ireland when we went to Kerry recently. Any thoughts around it from that angle? Yeah, I think it's a great way you guys have uh, organised and doing and, and, you know, raising money for the grassroots football, Merthyr Town. And especially in these hard times, you know, after COVID and, and, and these lower clubs struggling, we all know the Premier League boys are all right for money. 
I'd like to see the Premier League clubs put a bit more money towards the, the you know, the, the, the grassroots football, you know, and what you guys are doing is amazing, you know. Everyone's struggling, Carlton Town's struggling, being put in the North East League with the travel costs. You know, I went to watch Murphy recently at Buxton in the FA Cup. You know, they're great people, you know, and, 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 and these are community clubs. And they start losing these community clubs. You know, what's what you know, it, it's it's gonna take that out of the community. Um, and these are working clubs. You know, you, you got the academies there, the kids play football. Carlton Town's open six days a week, it's a working club. If these clubs go, you know, go extinct, you know, and lose these clubs, you know, you're taking you're ripping the community apart. You know, and what you're doing, these clubs need help like this. It's an amazing effort what you're doing. You know, and these clubs need all by doing this this sort of thing. You know what I mean? You know, can you imagine if the Murphys are taken away from us, the Carlton Towns are taken away out of the community? You know, it's ripping the heart out of the community, isn't it, boys? Mm, definitely, definitely. And this, for me, speaks to that game of life that we're involved with. Yes, this is the medium of football, um, but this such a great. That's why it's such a great thing, you know, to stand there on the terraces with your meat pie, your bovril, talking about I don't know the humble, the simple things in life. And I think we've lost that as players in the game of life. You know, we 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 tend to sort of get distracted on the big things or what we think is the big things. And for me, one of the lessons learnt is to go back to basics because it is the simple things about looking after each other, looking out for each other, that sense of community, being able to trust each other. And a, and a word I made a note, Daryl, when you was talking earlier on about, you know, the glue that holds you know, academy football and that kind of thing together. And a word that I didn't use, and I'm surprised at myself, but is values. And I think it's time to bring values back to the game of life. And, you know, particularly, dare I say, from the old guard like us, you know, we're all 21 plus now. So, you know, I think it's incumbent upon us to be good managers, good directors in the game of life, Put our arms around these young, these young up-and-coming players, whether it's on a football pitch or in the game of life, and show them the right way. Because those young people can show us hell of a lot as well. It's a two-way street. Indeed, I would say though, Paul, uh, uh, if anybody out there is, who listens to this podcast um, and wants to get involved in any way uh, in in the tour, if 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 they've got a, an idea, a charity that they might want. to can raise money for for its own charity and want to put a cyclist in. If they've got any ideas on um, how we can we can raise extra income, we, we, we're talking about um, uh, memorabilia and we're talking about making each visit to to the club something special. So if if, if you're listening and you you're, you're from somewhere near a Premier League club and you've got a, an observation or a suggestion. Um, do they have a way of getting in touch with you, Paul? Yeah, I mean, the contact details, I mean, check out the World Game Changers podcast, even the World Game Changers website, which is uh, www.worldgamechangers.org. You'll find us there, you know, my own sort of personal pro uh, profile. You can find me at paul-low.com. You know, there's these mediums. Gary is very, very extensive on, on social media. Anybody that reaches out to Gary, I'm sure he'll just signpost yeah. into our direction. Daryl, yeah. you've got your social media stuff Absolutely. out there. Yeah. We're not going to be difficult to find. Super. Wonderful. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed.
Gary, been a pleasure. Paul, been a pleasure. And um, let's uh, let's speak soon. But uh, to everyone out there, thank you for listening and uh, good luck to everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Excellent. And there we have it, listeners. And all that remains now is to sign off the way I always do by saying, remember, the game's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond?